I'm Steve Backshaw, and you're listening to the Aussie Wildlife Show. Hey guys, welcome to the Aussie Wildlife Show. I'm here, of course, with Steve. G'day, guys. And Adrian here. And we're very lucky to have with us today Kyle Chalmers, Olympic gold medalist. G'day, Kyle. Hey, how are you going? Very well, thanks, mate. Now, you, I believe, as much as you're into swimming, you have some reptile pets. Yes, I'm uh, pretty obsessed with the reptile hobby at the moment. I've probably been in the game for a couple of years now and have always grown up having pet reptiles, but now it's probably just taken the next, next step and I've got quite a few. So you've been into them since you were a kid, you, you, you were into reptiles? Yeah, so I grew up in Port Lincoln on a probably about an acre property, but um, yeah, my, like I spent a lot of time going around catching, catching lizards as a kid with my grandpa. He was probably the, the person that got me into it. And then, um, yeah, I had, um, what did I have, maybe four bearded dragons as a kid. I had three turtles at, a, at one stage. I had five um, green tree frogs. They were probably my reptiles that I had in Port Lincoln. And once moving to Adelaide, it was kind of like, I was 12 years old and mum and dad were like, oh, well, we're not taking this with us. Like, you have to sell it. <laughs> so, sold it. And then um, I think it was probably a couple of years into living in Adelaide, I decided I needed reptiles again and um, just had a one, I had one pet blue tongue skink in my bedroom for about maybe two or three years. And then I decided that there was a lot more to it. And um, yeah, within within a month of probably buying a few more I end up with 30 and um, yeah I love it <laughs> that happens it happens very quickly it's very very dangerous yes absolutely so you're enjoying keeping them um, and every aspect of them yeah I, lo- I absolutely love it obviously I spend probably 40 to 50 hours a week at the swimming pool so it's um, almost like a full-time job so coming home to to I guess the reptiles is a great escape for me because I'm able to take my mind off of off of swimming and um, you know I've kind of formed a whole other friend friendship group away from the pool who um, know me more so as Adelaide Blue Tongues on Instagram and um, and for my Blue Tongue collection which is pretty cool and uh, yeah I, I love every aspect of it I love the whole the whole fe- like feeding them I'm pretty obsessed with you know feeding them most days and um cleaning them out is every second day I do that as well just because I'm it gives me something to do and you know I think I've got my girlfriend into it now she she's pretty obsessed with it but there's you can never really have enough enough blue tongues the amount of different uh color morph series out there now and it and it seems to be growing every year it's an exciting hobby to be in that there is absolutely loads of different color morphs um, out there. So you've got most of those. Yeah. So at the moment, I've got um, albinisms. Probably my my one. I don't have a whole lot of, but um, I've got albinism, anery, white, northern. They're my three kind of single gene morph. And then um, I've been lucky enough to get a snow blue tongue, which is an anery albino, and an alabaster, which is a white northern cross anery. Uh, so I've managed to get those those two into my collection this year which is uh very exciting and um i was lucky that joe ball hooked me up with them but yeah i guess I'd, i love being able to just open up like i've got two like racking system and i love being able to open up different drawers and see different colored blue tongues like i think it's the coolest thing because you know i guess i grew up having having blue tongues in my backyard and um you know to see see a an orange blue tongue or a white blue tongue it's um it's pretty cool and i love having my mates over and showing off the the collection i've got going they are some pretty amazing colors and things that do keep you engrossed i agree um i love them i think a lot of non-reptile people would be like whoa 
why have you got 30 <laughs> pet lizards and you enjoy cleaning them out and I don't understand. Uh, it's interesting and I guess it's not too far away removed from the bird hobby's been around forever and people talk about bird colour morphs and, you know, that's quite well accepted. And it's funny when you mention that with snakes or lizards, people go, whoa, why, why? They don't understand. There's something about reptiles. I mean, I was like you when I was a kid. I was addicted to reptiles. I used to go out catching lizards. I know Steve did. Why do we do that? (laughs) Just wide differently, I guess. (laughs) I think you're right. But but these things like the blue tongues, I I don't know how you find, do do yours have different personalities? Yeah, they do. They... they, um they do tame down quite nicely. Like yeah. eventually, they. I know when I first get them, they obviously don't get handled as much. But I'm, I um hand feed almost every day now. Well, so they've they've tamed down quite nicely to me. But you know, I still have the odd one that hisses at me and wants to bite me. And yeah, they they definitely do have um, different personalities. Like some just like to hide and and not be seen, whereas other ones will will crawl around the enclosures and. Um, you know, be pretty excited when you open up their drawers and want to get out and that sort of thing. So, no, they're, they're an awesome animal. Like, um, yeah, I, I, I spend probably four or five hours out in my garage, I think, probably a day just, you know, love just just sitting there kind of watching them do their thing. It's, it's awesome. That's pretty great. Yeah, that, that's probably part that I miss of keeping the animals is I probably don't spend enough time with them at the moment. But, yeah, I could quite easily do that with with your blue tongues for sure yeah some pretty awesome ones in there it is it what, is very what's cool their, um what, what's your favorite sort of diet do you mix it around do you? yeah so as the staple i'll just have dry cat food in there mixed in with some um some lizard food and just their calcium powders kind of sprinkled over the top of it so that's their staple that they can they can pick away at most days and then yeah it varies i mince meat's probably the easiest one that i go for quite regularly obviously i'm i'm pretty flat out with with training and that sort of thing so mince meat's always um an easy option and a cheap option as well because you can get pretty you can you know go down to your pet shop and buy you know tubs of snails and that sort of thing and they they love it but it's an expensive expensive treat for them so yeah mince meat with with egg cracked into it and also you know i sometimes mix the the pellets through and but yeah, they they seem to love it, and they and I weigh them once a week, and they're they're growing pretty nicely as well, which is cool. Wow, you're obsessed with them. Aren't you? I'm obsessed, absolutely <laughs> obsessed. I get so, I, I was weighing them once a week as young, really young babies, and yeah. um, obviously some kind of don't eat as well as others, and you know I was starting to get a bit stressed out about ones that weren't putting on weight, and so I I backed it off and let them grow out a little bit, and. Um, now I'm back into the weighing once a week, which is more so because my girlfriend really enjoys weighing it and recording it on our whiteboard we've got in our, in our garage now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm. I love that. So is it, is it good practice for when you guys have kids of your own? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether it's a good thing. I don't, I don't think having um, scales introduced to kids at a young age is probably a great start for them. But um, I don't even think it's a great thing for, for us now to have scales because, you know, you want to stand on them every day and weigh yourself and get a bit shattered every time you see. Well, especially as an athlete, I get shattered if I'm, if I'm up that tiny bit of weight. <laughs> but the blue tongues, it's it's a weird thing because I want to feed them as much as I can and get them as big as I can. Whereas myself, I can't. I don't want to eat as much and you know, like really, really watching my weight. So no, it's awesome. And I've also got um, a, a pretty good collection of bearded dragons going as well at the moment. So I've got um, a male and two females, and um, she actually laid one of the girls laid two clutches this year, and I've had 
nine babies hatch out uh, a couple of weeks ago now and I've got another 10, of, 10 eggs in the incubator. So, so yeah, that's that's been awesome for me. I've never had baby baby reptiles um, that I've produced myself. So that's that's been pretty exciting over the last few weeks watching them kind of grow as well. Love it. I love beauties. I've, I've bred the beauties before. They're fantastic. Yeah, beauties. I saw Kyle's babies from these beauties about a week ago and uh, wow. There, there was two or three standout, stunning little baby beardies there that almost got me back into them. Oh, that'd be awesome. That's, that's what we want. No. <laughs> Do you think um, keeping reptiles as pets is like a link to the environment? Do you think people, through spending time with their captive reptiles, it makes them appreciate the wild animal? Like we see blue tongues in our backyard or we forget bushwalking. Do you think there's something, something there reconnecting with nature? Yeah, absolutely. I think it does for sure. You know, I've got um, quite a quite a range of reptiles now, I guess. And yeah, it makes. It, I, I would love to to come up into the Adelaide Hills and kind of look around and try and find the reptiles because I know that this is their native environment out here, and um, you know, I know that that's where they want to hang out. They don't really want to hang out in suburbia. They'd rather be up, you know, in forestation and that sort of thing. So. Yeah, I guess it has kind of got me back into the environment in a way and it's something that I'm passionate about now as well. So, I, And I guess that's only formed from having reptiles. Otherwise, you know, you probably probably wouldn't have cared too much really, you know what I mean? Like I want to give the reptiles the best opportunity in life. That's great. That's great. So it teaches you to care for another life form too. So you're learning about husbandry and, you know, and, and growing in Port Lincoln as well. I mean, that's a bit of a reptile hotspot. A lot of great herbs in that, area, that part of the world too. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what really motivated me to, well, I guess not motivated me, but um, <laughs> yeah, got my interest going in the reptile game, I think. As like I, even looking back on kindy photos the other day, um, I remember there was a guy that came into our kindergarten when I was probably what four or five years old and had crocodiles and snakes and that sort of thing. And could I have was been me potentially <laughs> could have been, but um, but yeah, like it was just a huge like passion of mine that I and I wanted to be up close with the crocodiles and snakes. And um, I was looking through photos probably a week ago, and you know I had snakes wrapped around me and crocodiles, crocodiles and that sort of thing. So. Yeah, I guess growing up in the country, there isn't zoos and sanctuaries that you can go visit to find out that sort of thing. But yeah, just having it all in your backyard and at your possession is pretty awesome. And you live along the coast now of Adelaide, and that's a bit of a hotspot too. You've got a few species out there, like the little painted dragons. I'm sure you've seen when you've been bushwalking. A lot of blue tongues um, utilise that wildlife corridor too, don't they? And sleepy lizards, which used to be all through Adelaide, and now you really only get them along that wildlife corridor at the coast and in the in the bushland. Whereas the blue tongues have been really successful in the suburban environment. I think you see more blue tongues around the. But you know, they do. Yeah, people. they seem to. Sometimes you think they almost prefer it. You see so many of them still there. Um, yeah, they're pretty awesome. Breeding well. Even Morfittville, where I used to live, there, there was uh, there were some there, and they were breeding because there were babies everywhere, and you couldn't get more suburbia than that. But yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it is true. I think um, I have quite a, like a number of people hit me up and say, you know, I've got this blue tongue in my backyard. Can you come and catch it for me? Or or what do I do? Like I've had people hit me up that have had babies that. They've gone, what do I do with this baby? And But yeah, it seems to be like almost every house has a blue tongue in their backyard, which is a bit of an honour in a way because, you know, they eat the snails and just do their thing, which is pretty cool. But um, yeah, it's ridiculous the amount of people that kind of hit me up about having blue tongues in their backyard. It's great. I get it too. And people say, what do I do? I'm like, well, leave it. It's doing well. But oh, I've got a dog. 
I have heard that there's been some success in training your dog to not eat them, but I guess it depends on your dog and the amount of time mm. you've got to spend with said dog. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Or I've got a cat. Well, I'll come and take your cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get rid of the cat first. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about cats the other night. We were, we were talking about how obviously cats, you know, they can kill a blue tongue and, you know, they kill for sport and all this kind of thing. And there's a big push at the moment to, to stop free-ranging cats. But we were talking the other night with Dr Alyssa Sparrow yep. about rats and mice being a big issue too, which you often overlook. And I wonder if we suddenly just brought all the cats in, would we see even more mice and rats than we have now? I'd like to think that they are helping with the mouse and rats, especially in suburbia. I think they probably are. It's just a shame that they do decimate a lot of other native animals as well. Yeah, mm. yeah. Science, it's where mm. science comes science. to the rescue. Any biologists that come in and yes. look at that one. Yeah. Well, I think sleepy lizards, like I said, they used to be. You know, the shinglebacks used to be all around the suburbs, but I don't reckon they are as quick getting off the roads. I mean, I know you see a few flat yeah. blue tongues around, but they're a lot quicker than the shinglebacks seem to be. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I think quite regularly as a kid, getting out of the, jumping out of the back of the car and racing out to try and catch to catch a shingleback, they're definitely a lot slower and will kind of stop and open up their mouth and try and attack you rather than blue tongues kind of try and take off as quickly as possible. Yeah. But if you get close enough, they'll they'll open their mouth at you, I think. So. They do instantly. Yeah, yeah. Running away completely leaves their mind and they just turn and with their mouth open <laughs> and just look at you. Yeah. You should be going. Yeah, go yeah run away, you little thing. <laughs> but, yeah, I remember going around, like, the Coffin Bay National Park back home and, oh, you know, you'd see... the most stunning places yeah. in Australia. But there's, like, you know, goannas running around and you'd see 40 to 50 shinglebacks just sitting there on the road kind of doing their thing. But, yeah, it's ridiculous the amount of... I guess shinglebacks and blue tongues that are over that way. Yeah, and I find when I get out, you know, get out of the burbs, you, you see so many shinglebacks, especially breeding season, where they're all, they're all sniffing around at each other, cruising yeah. around. Side of the road. Yeah. Awesome animals, underrated. Mm. And I just want to say, and I, I know everybody here knows this, but a lot of people don't realise that blue tongues and shinglebacks are skinks. Because people go, that's not a skink. Skinks are those little drop tail things in my garden. Well, yeah, they are too, but they're just big bloody skinks, aren't they? They are. Skinkoides. Skinkoides. And they can drop their tails. People debate that, but I have seen blue tongues drop their tails. Yes. And live and live well with without tails. Quite yeah. regularly mating breeding season they will they're pretty vicious breeders and um the, the male will rip its the female's tail off or and they, they they live fine afterwards as well. So they can be savages, can't they, Kyle? They can. Oh. And they quite regularly will if you keep multiple together they'll bite bite tails off and I had I had one uh, lose a tail really early on, and I remember being so stressed about it, but lived fine. It, it um kind of grew over, and it was it was perfect. So amazing animals. It is a very stressful thing when you have a skink and and the tail comes off. It just <laughs> uh, it destroys you when it happens. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, no. And especially being being new into the industry, well, yeah. not the industry, I should say, but, you know, the hobby the game. Hobby. The hobby that um, people think is an industry. Yeah, in the hobby. <laughs> not knowing what to do, I remember just messaging everyone going, what do I do about this this blue tongue that's lost half its tail? But anyway, it, it nailed it and it was fine. I, I, was, I had a blue tongue death roll the arm of another blue tongue. Have you ever seen that? They, they grab hold of the arm and they'll, or a leg and just death roll. Wow. Mm. Yeah, wow. Did it it's take insane. the arm? No, it didn't take it off. Oh. Yeah, yeah. They quite regularly, like, that's what they do with mating as well. That's why, you know, if you're putting blue tongues together for mating season, you kind of have to sit there and watch them do their thing because otherwise they will quite regularly kill each other and break each other's necks and stuff. And 
because they get into that death roll position and it's all over. Yeah, it's pretty... Um Oh, it's, it's horrible actually to watch, isn't it? You, yeah. You're right. You have to watch it. You have yeah. to make sure that everything's going okay. And really, you know, you could be there for five minutes or twenty minutes, but probably half an hour, absolute tops. So yeah, we always watch them because yeah. they are evil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that reptile part of the brain. We all have it there. It yeah. comes out at I don't know times like road rage and things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so back to the morph side of things. What's your plans for the years to come? With the blue tongues? Yeah, well, at the moment, I seem to have quite a lot of babies that I'm, like, trying to raise up. So they're all sitting around that 300 to 400 gram mark, which is, you know, almost almost breeding size. They, they say about 500 grams is yeah. about right. So if I can put a bit more weight over on them over the next few weeks before they go into to hibernation, it'll be good. But I think this year for me is just about growing them all out and, and seeing how it goes. I've got a few up to size that I might be able to... Yeah, I just I just want to produce a baby. If I could produce a baby in my first season, trying to breed would be unbelievable. But yeah, at the moment I I'm happy with with just opening up drawers and seeing seeing amazing blue tongues. And uh, in the future, you know, like it's it's unbelievable with all the different morphs that are coming out. And now that people are starting to get into double genetics and triple genetics and quadruple genetic blue tongues, yeah, it's just going to blow up over the next few years. I think so. You know, I've got I've got double het larvas, which is albinism and, and hypermelanism, and you put those together and you get the that larva blue tongue, which is what most people are chasing in the hobby at the moment. So I've got five of those guys that I'm I'm raising up at the moment. The alabaster that I spoke about uh, is is almost at size, and I've got quite a few animals that I'll be able to put put that over. So it's a male uh, alabaster, and I've got you know a female a uh, two female white anneries and i've got a annery that's het for white that's also a female so yeah that's that's an exciting line i'm i'm happy to work with and um and then yeah the snow line is is something that's going to take a while i think you add albinism into a into a reptile it never does amazingly and they're a bit slow growing and and that sort of thing but eventually i'd love to i think it's a female that i've got it's quite small at the moment but um yeah, if I could get that snow snow up to size and eventually breed it, it'd be pretty awesome because there, there isn't many. There's, I think, maybe four people with snows in their collection at the moment. Obviously, Joe Ball was the one that produced them and managed to have a pretty good year of producing them last year. I think he had a litter of maybe five or six snows in in the one litter, which was pretty cool. And um, and then the alabaster, I think there's probably three three people out that have them. So, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty lucky. Yeah, yeah, he did literally only... He only let go of was it three or something this year? He let go. Of, I think he let go of one alabaster and maybe three snows. Oh right. So the alabaster that I've bought's got a bit of a kink in its tail, so mm-hmm. that's why he was kind of like, "Oh yeah, I'm happy to let you go, whatever." That, no effect on it, like you said. Oh, they can they can live that. their they can lose their tails and be fine. So there's got this tiny little kink which is actually growing out with age anyway. So, so yeah, I've got some really exciting lines. It's pro- like you can always buy into other things as well. You know, there's obviously platinum, which is something that's pretty exciting, which is white cross with with hypermelanism and then yeah it's ridiculous you know you start adding reduced pattern into into these different morphs and yeah the next few years is very exciting in the blue tongue game so we'll be yeah you'll be following the uh the royal python or ball python game with them exactly there's enough morphs out there's enough base morphs out there to make some pretty amazing stuff yeah definitely some polygenic stuff in there it'll be pretty awesome yeah it'll be very cool Mm. it'll be very very exciting and then you know you look at roger Kramer, who's done that you know, he's got the caramel albinos and stuff like that. But he's got some uh, very, very awesome animals. Yes. What's uh, out of your collection currently? What would be your favourite animal? 
Oh, it, it is hard. I think my my white. I've got a white het annery that's probably about four hundred grams, and I've had that since it was really really small, and I've kind of raised it up, and it's just a really cool animal. Like it does have that that different personality to them all. Like it it likes being handled. It seems, and it eats every time I offer it food, and it wants to get out and explore. And so that's probably my favourite animal. Just I don't, like the other the snow, like snow and the alabaster are visually awesome. Like the alabasters. As wide as a pommy's bum, <laughs> as they say. Hi. <laughs> and, um, and it's got the jet black eyes. So it's an awesome animal, animal visually. But And same with the snow. Like, obviously, the, the anery takes out that... that um, it, it brings out that pink pink tongue and the pink eyes. And it's, yeah. it is really cool to look at. But, um, yeah, this white hand anery I've got is, is just stunning. And I love... Oh, that's the one I want to look at every single day when I go out there. We, we will try and get like a, a picture up of that animal and a pommy's white bum yeah that's a great idea well, just compare, as a comparison so that people can see what he means <laughs> when when joe was actually selling me the animal that's how he described it to him was as it? that's why i've used that that term uh, he has got a pommy white yeah, yeah exactly so that's how he's he's described it as how white the animal is so when i heard that it was a it was a yes from me <laughs> except he didn't say pommy. he said steve, a steve yeah. yeah you know that steve yeah. crawford joe, guy joe has a has a way of yeah, explaining things quite well. It yeah. is. It's great. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I'm actually I've actually got a couple of snakes as well now. So snakes has been something I've never been allowed to have. Mum and dad were never keen on me having having snakes. So well, now well, my girlfriend's well, 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 a couple. You had one last time. I, I know. Actually. I had I had one. So I had a bl- exanthic black-headed python, which um came down with a couple of blue tongues from Townsville, which was pretty cool. We're like absolutely obsessed with it. And then um. Joe Ball, without me knowing, actually sent down an albino carpet python in with the blue tongues I got the other week. So, so that's temporarily being stored at my house, which my mum and dad aren't too happy about. And it's the most vicious snake ever, I think. It, it bites like there's no tomorrow. The other day I had it out cleaning. And normally they're not too bad. Like you say, you get them out of their enclosure and they're, they're a bit cage defensive. But once you get them out, they're okay. But this one probably had eight or nine bites at me. It's showing its wild type Darwin. Yeah, it was <laughs> Aggressiveness. So, so my girlfriend won't go anywhere near it and either will my mum and dad. But I love it. Like, I think it's the greatest thing. My mum was watching me clean out its enclosure the other night and she was going, what enjoyment do you actually get out of that? Like, the snake's just sitting there biting me. And, and I was pumped. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. But So, yeah, now that my girlfriend's moved down, she's at 200 metres down the road, I'm able to store the snakes at her house, which is pretty exciting. So that could be um, the next move for me. Might be getting a few snakes. But I'm more excited just to have... Probably two snakes is all I'm going to have, but it's it's cool to have, you know, mates come over and go, oh, yeah, I'm shit scared of snakes and don't never liked them and that sort of thing. Most of them are country boys and obviously grow up with, you know, having having brown snakes and red belly black snakes in their backyard, so they've kind of had that bad experiences with them almost. And you know, to pull out a python and be like, have a look at this thing, like it's as tame as a puppy dog, and um, you know, it's it's very very special. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, it's very cool. How old's the the uh, albino? Oh, oh, it's very, very small. So oh, it's, it's on, it's on velvet rats at the moment. So that'll grow up and be, yeah, soft as a puppy. Hopefully, obviously they don't really enjoy it that much. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one to say that snakes should be handled all the time. Though educational purposes is good. Cleaning and stuff like that should just be the only time you really handle them. Yeah, uh, that's good. It is always good when you see someone face a fear, you know, try a new it's thing, great. or even people like. 
we, as part of Animals Anonymous, will do the occasional retirement village, and you've got people that are, you know, the better part of 100 years old that have never held a snake before, and they love it. And you go back the following year, they've got that photo of them with their snake next to their bed, and all the grandkids come in and they talk about <laughs> That's it. That's awesome. It's, that is kind of cool. Yes. That is awesome. Because, you know, like, these people live their whole life with fear of snakes. Like my grandma, for example, like has lived her whole life fear of snakes. Won't now now that I've got snakes won't won't come to my house to see the snakes. Oh but really? It's eventually it's gonna have it's gonna have to happen and she's gonna have to get over the fear of snakes. I wish my wife didn't <laughs> if like she it. wants to see me. <laughs> uh, there are other guys that have the mother in law that hates snakes and said if you get a snake I'm never coming around and there it is or in the foyer. Fifty. Yeah. <laughs> a moat of snake enclosures around the property. <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, because we say snake and they all get lumped into the one basket, but a python is vastly different to an inland taipan or a brown snake, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, you couldn't get... Yeah, it, in some instances, some pythons can be more deadly than some of the most venomous stuff, you know, in the big, you know, scrub python side of things. And that, at least if you get bitten by a venomous snake in the wild and you get somewhere quick enough, you'd probably be all right. If, if you're on your own and a big scrubby gets you... Yeah, that is not true. so much. You're probably so they they cannot in some aspects be just as dangerous, but they can make great. Don't really want to use the word pet, but they can be pretty good to keep. Yeah, good display animals. Yeah. <laughs> so what what do you think's next for you? Have you got any ideas with the? Yeah, I um, I'm pretty keen to get into knobtail geckos as well. Actually, that's probably my next thing. So I actually picked up a picked up a rack secondhand on Facebook the other day. Um, just a kind of a hatchy rack that some guy had built, and it's. And it was a bargain bargain price, so I couldn't say no to it. And he dropped it off and everything. So, so yeah, I think he's got like seven liters of steamer kind of tubs in the in this rack. So yeah, I'm hope, hopefully going to get into having some knobtail geckos because they are they're an animal that I I remember catching barking geckos in my backyard as a kid and just being obsessed with them. Like you know they do the tongue flicker to wipe their eyes and they're pretty cool animals. They don't really like being handled, but there's you know there's some awesome morphs in that. That scene as well now, like they've got you know albinism and reduced pattern blue. Ah, uh, sorry, not blue tongues. Um, knobtail geckos and there's like the high white ones and that sort of thing. So there's that would be exciting to get into as well. And uh, and I've got a good mate, Greg Carter at Gander Gecko Geckos, who um, who's probably one of the best in the business, who has been really pushing me to kind of get into it lately. But but yeah, so I might get a couple of geckos and see how I go with that, and then uh, we'll see how it goes. So um, you talk a lot about the morphs of blue tongues and everything you've got. Do you do you like the wild type stuff? Have you got any? Are you figuring to get any in the future? Yeah, I love the wild type stuff. Steve's obviously got a couple of Western blue tongues that I check out quite regularly when I head over there, and they're they're an awesome blue tongue to look at. And the Centralians are also really cool. But my doublehead larvas are, are wild type looking animals, and I and the amount of different colours like they like they come in, you know. The variation in litters is unbelievable. So, I think the wild type blue tongues are almost just as stunning as the morphs. But I think the reason why I've got into morphs is because there's so many different colours that come in it as well, and it's pretty awesome seeing a jet white blue tongue or a jet black blue tongue and that sort of thing. But yeah, wild type animals are amazing, and I've got this big het white female um, in my collection that's that wild type looking blue tongue, and it's absolutely stunning. My, if if my mum was here and you, if you asked her the question of what her favourite blue tongue was, she'd say that one. So Yeah, she loves my westerns as well. Yeah, she yeah. loves the westerns. Absolutely <laughs> obsessed Perfect. with the westerns. Yeah. So. No, I'm with you. It's amazing to see those wild type animals and then see all these morphs that you get and you're just like, 
how the hell did that happen? Yeah. You know, so it is pretty awesome. But yeah, some of the some of the wild type stuff is pretty awesome. And that's like when I have my mates over, you know, I'll get the wild type looking blue tongue out and say, this is what a normal blue tongue looks like. Yeah. And then this is what, you know, generations of breeding's done to make them look like this. And, you know, they've been found in the wild albinism and hypermelanism. And it's it's unbelievable. So Yeah, yeah, um, hypermelanism. Yeah. Both in Bondi, surprisingly. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Bred out by Snake Ranch. So you're saying that the black types were found in the wild around the Bondi area. Is that where they originated? Yeah, it was It was spotted in a wall, I believe, in like a stone wall that had gaps in the wall sort of thing. And it was spotted there by the museum, by one of the museums over there. And um, yeah, grabbed at some stage. You wouldn't think it was a blue tongue, would you, when you first saw it? No. You'd no. be very shocked by it. Mm. Yeah, fantastic looking animals. Do you reckon you'll ever... I mean, you've kept a lot of things. I mean, as you said, when you were a kid, you had a heap of different reptiles and frogs and things. Do you reckon you'll ever get into crocodiles or venomous snakes or anything along those lines? Is that what we can look forward to? <laughs> yeah, I think eventually, once I'm finished swimming and kind of commitments slow down a bit, um, and I'm not travelling as much, I'd love to get a probably a crocodile, a crocodile and a green tree python. They're my two absolutely dream animals. I think visually, the green tree python's amazing, um, and I'd love to have an awesome setup that I can show off. That's probably the main thing. Is is like like you guys do is educational stuff. You know, I'd love to be able to just go look at this green tree python, like, and it gets people interested in snakes if they can see visually looking really cool looking animals. And then, yeah, like you said, a crocodile would be another one that's probably a dream animal of mine to have. I quite regularly watch Brian Barjack's um, vlogs on YouTube and he's got um, an alligator in a, in a pretty cool pond set up. So it'd be cool to have a pond that you can kind of stand over and see a crocodile in there. And So, yeah, eventually that's what I'd love to get into. I don't know about venomous snakes. <laughs> I'm just getting into, into pythons at the moment and I think... Then I don't know. Like I, I'd, I love venomous snakes, but I don't. I couldn't see myself keeping them at this stage. Good answer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be the exact answer that I would have said. <laughs> Not to, no venomous, because well, mine would have been different. Because I'm scared of them. <laughs> I think that's fair. A guy with 200 snakes <laughs> plus is scared. Has, has done everything with pythons yeah. and boas, and he's scared of venomous snakes. Yeah, not too good. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be bitten. No yeah. doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine having maybe some kind of reptile pit with some red bellies or something along those lines, but it's not not something I'm in any hurry to get into. Well, where you live, you've got things like that roaming on your uh, on your land. So. Yeah, I see enough cruising around yeah. as it is. You yep. can just enjoy them in Which their natural cool. habitat. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Although yeah. red belly black snakes are another animal that are just visually amazing to look at. Yeah. Like the black, jet black with the red belly, like it doesn't get much better they than that. They are stunning. They are stunning. And I think that's how people who get into wanting to keep venomous reptiles is because of that, that snake. Mm. So. Yeah. And of course, it's one of the ones that you have to keep for a year before you can keep any others. Is that I right? believe so. Yeah. Mm. Very good. Kyle, thank you so much. Was it refreshing? Well, we just talked for like over half an hour, I believe, and we didn't really talk about swimming. <laughs> Is that unusual? It's unbelievable. I was telling my mates when I was leaving the pool this morning, oh, I'm going to do a reptile podcast today, so I was pretty excited about it. And they were going, what? <laughs> You're so used to me doing you know, media, media commitments swimming-wise, and it's always the same questions over and over again, and you kind of get good at your answers, really, in a way. You're kind of answering yep. the same thing every time. But to do something that I'm super passionate about and you know, just talk reptiles for half an hour, it's, it's unbelievable. And that's why I quite regularly head up to Steve's house just to check out what's going on up there and just talk reptiles. It's just an amazing escape for me away from the life of swimming. 
It, yeah, it's always awesome to have you up and uh, came down to yours the other day and held all your gold medals and things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was cool as well. That was pretty awesome. So yeah, that's great. And, and I'll just I will say I don't know if Steve mentioned this too, but we did a podcast about a month ago with uh, Dr. Phil Ropeman talking about citizen science and getting the public involved in scientific projects, you know, to help the environment, all these kinds of things, and. We said, well, what a shame. Nobody of like a high profile footy player or, you know, Olympic medalist, I actually said, you know, wouldn't. And, and this was before I knew Kyle. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and here you are. And, you know, we had a great walk around Animals Anonymous headquarters here today and looked at the, the bushland. And obviously, you're very passionate about that stuff as well, which is, which is awesome. So, mate, I wish you all the best. And thanks for um, championing our reptiles and putting in a good word for often a misunderstood group of animals. And Absolutely. And people. Yeah. <laughs> and reptile people. Yeah, We're not awesome. all bad. Yeah, right. Okay. There are some normal ones out there. That's there right. Are there? I'm not that. Well, actually, maybe not. In a way. But no, it's been in awesome. Way. Thank you so much for joining us. No problems. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a great day checking out the headquarters and the awesome animals you guys have got. And guys, thank you very much for listening. Yeah.